All right. It's that time of the week again, folks. It's I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson along with, who else could it be? It's Robin. Tyler Kern, welcome back. Ah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Well, it's more like thank you for having me. This is your studio. I just show up. Yeah, I mean... You know, no, whatever. This is your home. Nine thirty on Fridays means this is my time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Y- okay, exactly. Nine thirty on Fridays is my time. Exactly. The rest it's of like the week, like Mr. Han. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, for that thirty minutes, for the next thirty minutes, this, this is, is my your this is my house. Yeah. All right. For the rest of the week, however many hours and minutes that That's equals right. out, it's your house. It, this is my house. All right, but not okay. right now. Okay, we got that. We got that covered. Great. <laughs> Okay, so today we're going to talk about kind of an interesting topic. You know, healthcare has always been, you know, basically very reactive yeah. to uh, to what's going on. Yeah, people people come to physicians' offices, people come into the hospital because they need assistance. But now, in the age of consumerism, particularly through you know your millennial and Gen Z people. Who actually, you know, want to have a little bit more, you know, choice and options. Right. You know, healthcare is changing. And and frankly, it's about time. You know, we we've uh, we really need to be and and, and there, you know, not to say that that some some providers haven't been very consumer centric. But as an industry, it's great to see that we finally are. Yeah, you know, we're addressing a lot of different issues that people have been have been talking about for a number of years, like accessibility to not only provider locations, if you will, but but the ability to to frankly see your medical records. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that that has been a real problem for a lot of people. They, you know, tr- the the portability of, of medical records when when people move or, or go to different physicians. You know, that's been a real issue. And then finally, you know, cost transparency. Right. You know, you know that's something that we as an industry, it's been it's been kind of difficult to try to translate, you know, what does this cost and, and how do you price that and, and all of that. So, uh, but, but I'm excited to, today. We've got a really interesting guest, Tyler. Yeah. Who is it? Okay. His name's Mark Olney and he's with Accenture. Accenture is a big, uh, big consulting house. And uh, he heads up the healthcare practice here in the Dallas office. And so they have just recently completed a survey on healthcare consumerism and expectations of of the various generations about their healthcare experience. That's fascinating. Now, I'm always curious about the different behaviors, the different ideas, values of the various generations, right? Because it, there's obviously a change. There's obviously a shift yeah. in some way, shape, or form. You know, I see the world differently than you. And what? It, Maybe. I, I know. know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I don't see it through Baylor tinted glasses. Oh, but, well, uh, okay. You know, uh, right. more maroon right. tinted glasses. Uh, which well. It's also twinged always with a little bit of disappointment. But <laughs> um, but that's different than, you know, yeah. um, a 15-year-old sees the world or will exactly. see the world when they're my age. And so I'm always fascinated by how those differences manifest themselves in terms of expectations mm-hmm. and in terms of what consumer behavior they're going to have. And I am glad to hear you say maybe that the difference in our generation is that we kind of demand a little more of the healthcare industry. Maybe it's shifting a little bit because I think you're right. There needed to be that shift at some point. Yeah. You know, and, and even back, you know, probably 15, 18 years ago, whenever I was really deep in strategic planning and healthcare, we were, we were trying to, to look at the various, 
various demographics, you know, genera- generationally or mm-hmm. or geographically or whatever, uh, to try to really tailor make our 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 messages. Sure. And we were pretty advanced at the facility where I was, uh, you know, even thinking about that. And so it, it's kind of a it's a little bit of an indictment on us as an industry that we're still talking about this almost twenty years later. But I think because of what you know, hey, I'm like, kudos to you guys, you know, the young folks. Uh, you know, you're demanding this and, and healthcare is listening. So whenever we come back with I Don't Care, we're going to be here with Mark Olney from Accenture. Today, 80% of companies are using online learning to grow their business. And MarketScale's online learning solutions are simplifying how you can launch yours. From building an enterprise learning management system to course design by our professional instructional design team to full video production and graphic design, your online university will be best in class. MarketScale's blockchain-powered digital credential program makes it easy to add certifications for your courses, creating powerful brand awareness and authentication for your organization. Education is the highest form of marketing, and MarketScale is making it easier than ever to create and deploy training for your customers, partners, and employees. For more information on online learning solutions, visit marketscale.com. Okay, we're back with I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. And as I said earlier, our guest today is Mark Olney. And Mark uh, heads up the healthcare practice for Accenture's Dallas office. Mark, welcome to I Don't Care. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate you having me on today. Man, I'm really glad to have you because you're talking about a topic that uh, that a lot of people are really interested in, and that's consumerism and healthcare and, and frankly, the, the expectations of consumers in their overall healthcare experience, and I understand that Accenture's done uh, done a survey on on just what the expectations are for for different consumers in in healthcare. So, tell us a little bit about what your findings have been. Yeah, we've done a survey for the past couple of years. We do one kind of every year, and you know, this past year we um, really tried to look at some of the generational differences that we're seeing uh, in healthcare. And so, one of the big generational generational differences that we saw was uh, primary care physicians. So, you know, we see, uh, obviously, the, the baby boomers, uh, Gen Xers are in the 85, 90%. Uh, those have a uh, primary care physician. But uh, when we get down to Gen Z, so those born after 1997, um, it gets closer to 50%. And so you know, that's a big deal for our healthcare system, the way that we deliver healthcare here in America. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that changes the cornerstone of how we're doing it. So it's kind of changing what we're, we have to do. Yeah, that that's exactly that's what 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 I've seen too. So so what 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 do you think? Why do you think the the millennials and Gen Zers just really don't want to have? They don't want to assign themselves to a primary care physician specifically. Yeah. So from our survey, a lot of what we saw was um, the fact that their the expectations that they have are that healthcare is just like any other industry. Hmm. That you know, I I order an Uber, I you know, I get what I need. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this whole, you know, relationship, long-term relationship that, you know, I established because I may need you 10 years down the road, that's just not something that they're accustomed to doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and, and being, a, being a father of a, of, uh, a millennial and kind of a borderline Gen Zer, I, you know, I see that too. They, they're not really, 
you know, I hate to say that they're not loyal, but they're really not loyal to to that one to the to one individual. They're looking for the overall experience. And so, you know, like what you were saying, Uber's the great example. Everybody wants something, you know, instantaneously. And, and so to be able to do that. So so what do you think, you know, what what were some of the findings? What did they say? What could primary care physicians do about that or what could healthcare as an industry do about that to better engage the the younger consumers? Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of them turn to uh, more urgent care uh, facilities, uh, retail clinics. So I think, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, a number of, of retail clinics pop up that uh, are definitely skewed towards the younger uh, generations. Um, you know, they really just, they don't want to be tied down to, you know, any certain time of day having to book their appointment. So, you know, those options, uh, including telehealth, I guess, would be another option, yeah. you know, that you know, kind of gives them the ability to, you know, I have a cough now and I'm going to do something about it now. I'm not going to, you know, try to book an appointment tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. Uh, then kind of the immediacy. Okay. Well, and, and, you know, I was talking to, to a friend of mine today, uh, you know, having, having some health issues and, and he's closer to my age, that, that, that baby boomer age. And, um, yeah, he's looking for a specific primary care physician because he's gone through a number that he just doesn't feel like he can trust. And, and so, yeah, it, it's really interesting to see the the real dichotomy between the between the generations on that. You know, I'm trying to counsel him on, on finding find that primary care physician where you can really, you know, where you can develop that long term relationship, as you said earlier. And uh, you know, but but you know, I, I start thinking about. As the millennials and the Gen Xers start to age, and they start needing that that higher level of service, you know, what do you think they're going to do? Do you think they're going to be able to adapt to that, or are they still going to be looking at at how they consume healthcare now, or 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 what? Yeah, I think m- most of the work that we've done, it's really going to be it's going to be a combination. You're going to have your, you know, your higher users that are going to still kind of need to go into that trusted model because it's complex. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, their needs are complex. And so it's not like I can go, you know, get on an application, go tell somebody two minutes about my healthcare history and get what I need. Um, so the more, you know, the heavier users are still going to, uh, you know, go towards that uh, primary care physician type model, or at least somebody they trust on a repeated basis, uh, whether or not that's a physician or PA or, you know, lots of different options there. Yeah, uh, but you know we really see those higher users as needing it, and then the people that uh, you know that don't go. Um, you know, I still still have friends that uh, you know go to the doctor every couple of years when they when they have the flu or um, you know have a strep throat or something like that. So it's, you know, we're, but we're going to see a lot more of that splitting out. We think of uh, kind of the dichotomy between those two. Okay, yeah. and and I do want to talk about telemed here in just a little bit, telehealth, but. But did you, in your survey, did you talk any about the accessibility of personal health care records? What what are the generations you know, saying about that? Yeah, so definitely high expectations of uh, being able to access my own records, uh, being able to, uh, you know, look up what I need to look up, um, share that information. Um, you know, when I when we look at that, looking at you know, maybe 50 to 50 to 60 percent say that they that how, uh, they are willing to in the millennial or Gen X, uh, they are willing to switch providers uh, based upon mm. not being able to get that type of information. So, you know, we see it being a, a pretty significant um, um, need that uh, healthcare, not all healthcare providers, many healthcare providers are uh, meeting today. Yeah. Well, and okay. So, so 
for the for the boomers and, and, and older older generations, are they as do they desire their that accessibility as much as the as the younger generations, or, or are they pretty content with kind of the status quo of what we're looking at now? And uh, wh- what were your findings on that? Yeah. So, so what's interesting about that is that they seem to be pretty content with kind of how it is. But what we're finding is that as the the family around them. Um, yeah. as the others, as their children, as those around them that are getting more involved in their care. So as they, you know, as they get older, obviously, you know, the ability to, uh, to depend on others as part of our care team, uh, being part of our family, uh, you know, that becomes more important. So we're seeing, you know, some push from that side, um, of really, you know, wanting that access because it's hard to make, you know, it's hard to go to every doctor's point with mom, right? So yeah. it's, uh, you know, how can I get the, the information that was communicated in that appointment? Okay. Yeah, and, and that makes that makes a lot of sense too because I know going through uh, you know the advanced ages of my parents before they passed, yeah, I, exactly. I couldn't get to every appointment, and so I was trying to get all of the information, and it was frankly really difficult to do that uh, yeah. without without the the access to to the EMR. Um, okay, you know we're kind of bouncing around today. You, you mentioned retail and you mentioned urgent care. Um, Anything in your survey on, say, a freestanding emergency rooms or, or anything like that? You know, we didn't we didn't uh, call those out separately. I think that uh, you know we we have looked at doing that in our survey and kind of some of our pre-survey results. There's still so much confusion mm-hmm. um, on the consumer side that um, it was difficult to explain to people what the difference was sometimes to then get the right answers or to get to be able to answer the right questions, okay. ask the right questions. Okay, that's fair enough. Okay, so then what about, what, was there anything uh, discussed about uh, primary care physicians actually partnering up with an urgent care or something like that? Did that make the, the transition, the accessibility to care easier for the Gen Xers or Gen Z or, or millennials? Yeah. yeah, we definitely, you know, that came out in a couple different parts of being an advantage. Um, you know, there's a trust factor uh-huh. uh, that helps on that, uh, you know, there's some, uh, you know, just being able to know that, you know, my primary care doctor is, you know, able to access my records um, on any type of follow-ups I have. And, you know, that it's, you know, the, the trust factor that, you know, being able to trust that, uh, you know, the person that uh, I normally go to trust these other folks. So I think that uh, that was also very helpful. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good. You know, uh, I know seeing, seeing the relationships between my primary care physician and a very specialist that he refers me to. You know that gives me a, a greater level of confidence, certainly, uh, in that. So, so let's talk about telehealth a little bit. You know, you uh, we've been talking about it for years. I know my first experience to it, and we talked about it before on, on the podcast, uh, was almost 20 years ago in outstate Nebraska, where it was really a necessity. You know, we were we were the uh, the primary uh, tertiary level uh, hospital in an area the size of the state of Indiana. And so telehealth was really the best way for us to deliver that. But let's take that down now to, you know, telehealth in a primary care setting where, you know, we were focusing more on on specialists at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, primary care, and I know telehealth is certainly being used a lot now in behavioral health, but but it hasn't taken off really as quickly as people expected. Um, You know, talk a little bit about that. Why, Why might that be? Yeah, so we, you know, there's a couple different reasons. Uh, one of them that came out in our survey uh, was around trust. 
Um, and that, hmm. you know, so we dug in a little bit more on that trust and it's really a trust issue on both the patient side and then surprisingly enough, also on the provider side. Um, so, you know, kind of breaking those into the two components, uh, trust on the, uh, the patient side is that, you know, really, will they get the same level of care that you get in a doctor's mm-hmm. office? Um, so personal story here, fairly knowledgeable consumer of healthcare. Uh, so, you know, a couple of years ago, I tried out some telehealth. Uh, my kids each had strep throats. You know, I looked at my throat, had some white marks on it. Could feel it. Pretty sure I had strep throat. Um, so, you know, I, I dialed up one of our uh, telehealth providers and uh, talked to them, um, you know, paid my out-of-pocket fees, spent several minutes on the phone with them diagnosing me. And then at the end, they told me, you know what? We can't actually write you a subscription. You probably have strep throat. But, you know, you need, need to go ahead and go see your primary care physician. Hmm. So, you know, that was a big you know, for me personally, that was a big waste of my time and what yeah. time and money. Um, so that was very frustrating. And, you know, even an informed consumer to have that experience, you know, now, you know, I'm less trustful of, uh, of telehealth than maybe, um, I should be even sure. today. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Hey, Mark, how long ago was that though? Uh, it was about four years ago. Okay. Because I can, I can tell you kind of flip side because, you know, Hey, uh, I, I think I know a little bit about, you know, the consumerism in healthcare and, and all that. So kind of the same thing. My family, my, my wife and, and youngest daughter uh, utilized one of the telehealth providers. Uh, and I'll tell you some of the things that are changing now is a lot of health plans are providing telehealth services uh, with no copay. And, and even a lot of employers are providing that too. And, and so I think that's kind of helping that trust level. But I know, you know, uh, both my wife and daughter kind of the same thing, strep throat, uh, and my wife, she should have gone to med school because she knows what's going on usually better than our physicians. Uh, and so she called in and, and talked to the provider and said, hey, look, you know, I need I need a Z-Pack. Uh, the daughter needs a Z-Pack. And so they were able to prescribe that. So, you know, maybe some, some regs have changed. I don't know. But I've also known that, that there's a lot of variation between telehealth providers, too. And so yeah, some yeah. are some are a lot more comfortable, and it depends upon the level of provider that they have. If it, if it's a physician versus uh, a mid level like a physician assistant or a nurse practitioner, um, you know. So I think I think basically again for for folks listening out there, you know, it's going to be dependent upon upon your own telehealth provider. But yeah, that certainly causes a lot of frustration too, because I know we've also been in the case where they didn't want to prescribe that. And, and and so, but you were talking about trust from the consumer standpoint, you know, there's obviously a little bit of distrust on the provider side when they're, you know, they're asking uh, questions of, of the uh, patient calling in and the patient, you know, they're not being totally truthful. And so, yeah. you know, so, yeah. so I think that's something, you know, they're, you know, maybe, did your survey go into like uh, video telehealth at all, or um... no? We didn't. We okay. didn't get that specific. Um, but you know, we you know we anecdotally talked to uh, you know a number of providers around this, and you know they they have a they have a fear on their legitimate fear sure. on their side too that um, you know patients are you know not telling them everything, and that you know they they're just calling them up because they want a particular uh, prescription. Yeah. Yeah. And and, uh, and that's exactly. Okay. So, so not only trust, what about, you know, talk a little bit about, about the regulations on telehealth. Yeah. So definitely some, some challenges on the regulatory level too. I think, you know, in in Texas, we've improved those a number Mm -hmm. over the past couple of years, Um, but there's still a patchwork between kind of the federal and state level. Um, So, you know, one example is 
uh, around reimbursement and what can be regulated. You know, if you're on a um, an employer plan, employer sponsored plan from national company, uh, you're not subject to state regulation. So uh, laws like payment parity at the state level, um, you know, aren't enforceable on those plans. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, if you're you know, wholly within the state on on you know, certain plans, then you know the state regulations apply. So you know, it's kind of this patchwork of uh, regulations and expectations that uh, it also causes some challenges. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of different people that are trying to uh, look at that. Um, but, you know, I think it's the confusion on the consumer side. Okay. Uh, based on that. Huh. Very, very interesting. Okay. So, so talking about, you know, the traditional, hey, I'm going to go to see my PCP versus the telehealth. Uh, did your survey look into satisfaction levels between, between the two, uh, the two venues? Yeah, we, you know, we actually spent a lot of uh, time going through the satisfaction side because that was mm. one of our, you know, one of our very fundamental questions that we were trying to ask on that. And, you know, really the satisfaction between the two were pretty similar. Um, you know, there's some there's some differences and some minor areas. Um, you know, I'll give an example on some of the specialty side, uh, the effectiveness of treatment um, on some of the follow-ups was maybe you know less effective on the tra- on the virtual side versus the traditional side. But you know, there's a lot of other factors, convenience, uh, transparency that uh, really won out uh, on the non-traditional telehealth side. And so, you know, overall, um, you know, we see very similar very similar levels uh, between this okay. between the different uh, methods. Interesting. Oh, oh, I, I'm I'm getting a I'm getting a, a <laughs> pointing from. From Tyler over here, he obviously has a question from our, as we say, our token millennial. Tyler, <laughs> always happy to be the token millennial in any circumstance. No, but uh, so my question revolves around. I guess I wonder how how far into the background of the people that you kind of surveyed you went, and whether or not uh, insurance status had something to do with whether or not millennials or younger generations would go to a PCP versus, you know, going to, uh, you know, an alternative of some sort, just because I know a lot of millennials, uh, people that I know work more in like the gig economy or something along those lines. And so aren't getting insurance from an employer necessarily. And so they're a little more hesitant maybe to establish a PCP and go to the doctor on a regular basis. Did you find anything like that in a study? Yeah, we did find some of that. I, I think that's still something that we're trying to understand more about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, there is, there's definitely some hesitancy there on, on those in the gig economy. But, um, you know, at the same time, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a longer term type of play. So it's, you know, I think even if you're kind of doing short term gig stuff right now, it's, you know, it's going to be important as they get older. So we're looking at kind of how that, how that, how that might change. Do you, do you ever think, um, or has there been any thought given to um, younger generations struggle to understand, you know, the verbiage or the language that's used often by oh, yeah. the system? And so it's not necessarily unwillingness to go to a, you know, personal care physician, but it's more, I don't know how much this is going to cost. And I don't necessarily yeah. know what a copay is and, and things like that. Yeah, cost transparency. That was a big issue, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the millennial Gen Z uh, type time frame. Um, you know, that was that was one of their biggest uh, dissatisfiers um, as far as um, d- getting care in general. You know, forget about the, the method that that was one of their uh, frustrations. So uh, it looks like almost on the Gen Z side, you know, almost 70 percent were frustrated by the transparency. Hmm. 
Yeah, and I think I think not only Gen Z, everybody's is becoming more and more frustrated with with cost transparency uh, in healthcare, and, and you know we're all working to to make that a lot more uh, more open for for everyone. So so in the last couple of minutes, we've got Mark. Any any other uh, interesting findings in the survey that we haven't touched upon that you'd like to bring up? So you know what we're seeing is uh, you know, and we we touched on it a little bit earlier, but we'd like to go into a little bit more is the you know, the, the changing customer expectations around you know, even stuff like appointments and being able to book appointments online. You know, I think we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, frustration about, uh, you know, when they can't do that, uh, when it's not a convenient location. Um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's something definitely, you know, as, as uh, the, the expectations and the rest of the industries outside of healthcare continue to mature, um, even further, you know, I think we're going to continue to see that frustration that uh, that healthcare is not uh, that easy to deal with, and uh, to Adam's point, you know, really not on the uh, education side. It's, it's a hard, it's a complex industry, and it's hard to understand. Yeah. And so I think you know, simplification is something that's uh, going to be important. Well, I know, I know too, and we need to start wrapping up here a little bit. But I know that that there's a number of health plans now that are starting to focus more effort on the design of apps uh, for their, for their consumers. And, and I think that that, you know, that's going to speak to, to what you're talking about as well. Not only health plans, but, but primary care offices, uh, not only the solo practitioners, but, but groups as well are seeing the, the necessity to be able to, to do more things online or through an app, whatever. Uh, so uh, I think again, just in, you know, in the expectations that, that frankly, all consumers, regardless of generation, uh, making things uh, making things much easier, uh, access, uh, you know, higher level of accessibility, uh, transparent. Uh, you know, we in healthcare, we've still got a long way to go. But I think the great thing about it is is we've identified these areas now, and as an industry, we're looking at ways to to really fix that and, and to become much more consumer friendly. Yeah, and I, I think that's something we've seen. I mean, across the industry, you know, healthcare providers, health systems, healthcare, you know, everyone's trying to do something about this now. Uh, so I do see that we're, you know, we're a lot more concerned about it than we ever have been in the last 15 or 20 years. So with that, Mark, hey, thanks again for calling in. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with I Don't Care. What does it mean to be a maverick of marketing? I'm Shannon Maverick. Join me every Monday at 9 a.m. for the Maverick of Marketing radio show. Each week, I'll be chatting with a different marketing expert to find out what makes them a true maverick. Taking risk is being a maverick. If you aren't learning, you're going to get left behind. You can either contribute to the problem or you can solve the problem. To listen, visit marketscale.com industries and click on MarketScale Radio at the top of the page. Stop running with the herd and start being a true maverick of marketing. Well, Tyler, that was pretty interesting. That was interesting. Thanks for letting me ask my millennial-based well, questions. But and those questions were far more autobiographical than I'd like to uh, than I'd like to admit. But we've talked about this before, yeah. right? Just confusion with different language, price, you know, transparency, things like that are all things that have entered into my mind. So I'm I'm 
guessing I'm not going to speak for my entire generation, but on some level, oh, they've you should. In. You should speak for your entire generation. My people, the millennials. The voice of the millennials, Tyler Kern, folks. There we go. Here I am. Hear me speak, other millennials. No, uh, I, I'm willing to bet that that's something that's entered into their minds as well. Yeah. You know. Well, and, and, and I totally agree. And so, you know, uh, it, it's great to hear Accenture is, you know, in their surveys, it wasn't, I don't mean to discount what Mark said. There weren't any great revelations there, mm. but it's great to be able to, you know, healthcare folks are typically scientists by by nature. They want to see the data, and so yes. you know when 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 uh, a group like Accenture comes back with hard and fast data that says yes, this is what uh, millennials and, and Gen Z uh, and other generations are looking at. You know that's going to make make us old guys in in the industry you know stand up and take notice. Sure. And so you know this way we can certainly look at you know how can we help you know uh, solve this problem and how can we solve it uh, a little bit quicker uh, to to meet the expectations. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. And I, we joked about I think off the air about millennials being demanding, but I, I do think that there's something to be said there just for. Hey, hey, we don't understand exactly what yeah. this industry is all about. Uh, so we're all of a sudden not going to PCPs and, you know, maybe mm-hmm. have some confusing consumer behavior. I think finding the reasoning behind that is valuable so that then, you know, you can use the data to then tailor the message and tailor, mm-hmm. you know, the solutions a little bit more towards what the actual problem is. Yeah. Well, and, you know, healthcare is just like any other industry. We have our own vocabulary. We have mm-hmm. our own acronyms. And, and we expect everybody to know what we're talking about. Sure. And, and so, you know, maybe that's a topic for another show. We might ought to do Healthcare Vocabulary 101. The glossary. The glossary. <laughs> Why not? But, but anyway, I think from, um, you know, just being open to, to finding out solutions, that's what we're all about. So, hmm. you know, should we put a bow on it? We should put a bow we on it. We should put a bow this on has it. Been a good, this has been a good enlightening episode, though, yeah. and I always appreciate study results and things like that, just to give a little bit more insight. I, I know you said that there weren't any major revelations or surprises, and that, that makes sense to me, and you know, you've know, you kind of been able to look back and see the history of some of these movements coming. Um, but to me, I, I appreciate getting to see that in that raw data kind of form yeah. and hear the results just because it validates a little bit more of what I think I've seen in the of world. Of course. Yeah. You know, you're, you're getting a little pat on the back that, you know, what you thought, you're Ooh. right. So good for you. <laughs> I'm going to leave this episode feeling much better You about are. This is all about uh, building up Tyler's self-esteem, not that it needs to be built up. <laughs> it does not. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, we're going to put uh, – I don't care with Kevin Stevenson. Uh, wrap it up. Put a bow on it. Put a bow on it. Put it to bed. Yeah. Until any next other, week, anyways. Any other cliches <laughs> that we want to use? No, probably not. Nope. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll we'll talk to you next week.